We've been talking for 10 minutes. You haven't noticed the new background I made. <laughs> you made it? You don't like it? Wouldn't be the first time. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrero, joined as always on this Thursday by Levin Black. Happy New Year, Levin. Yes, hopefully it's a good New Year. Hopefully it's the first New Year in 28 years with a Super Bowl victory. God, from your lips to whatever the football gods are that are listening to this show, let me tell you. <laughs> Give us number six, damn it. Uh, before we get rolling, I want to remind everybody, please rate, review, follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I always say if you take the time to leave a review, we will read it on the show. This one is a five-star review from UBM Fashion. Subject, always a great listen, dot, 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 except when Levin is on. Michelle's great, and you're somewhat solid, Rob. You've moved up the list ever since the Niners started this win streak. Hopefully, they continue their awesomeness and make it 14 in a row so we don't have to hear whiny Rob. Keep up the good work and go Niners. Man, Michelle must be doing a lot of work because they just ripped on both of us and we still got a five star. Because it's five star, am I still allowed to say, well, f you too then? <laughs> no, you can't say it. <laughs> so don't say it. Uh, Yeah, whatever. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I really don't care. You're either going to like me, tolerate me, or hate me, whatever. If you are new to the show, this is where you get the hot takes mostly from me and the cold truth mostly from, as you just heard, the human wet blanket, Levin Black. We got a lot to get to on today's show. The Niners do have one more regular season game against Arizona. And some people, Levin, are saying, oh, this game's not interesting. I've got a couple of things in this game that I'm keeping my eye on. And then we'll get to some of the bigger picture stuff uh, facing the Niners as we head into the playoffs. Yet again, it is a beautiful beautiful thing it hasn't even really like dawned on me 11 that that this is the end of the regular season that these other teams are going to be shutting it down because i've just been so locked into playoff mode since they clinched a few weeks ago that like it for the rest of the teams like this is it this is the last red zone sunday all that stuff i think it's weird because we locked in so long ago and the one seed was such a low probability that everybody just kind of went into this coast mode but now here we are in the final week where it's one win and one other team losing and the Niners get the one seed. Yeah, I think it's one of the first things Kyle said in the locker room after the win, after like, hey, good job offense picking up the defense. It was like, we could get the one seed. So like he's definitely had his eye on it. But in order to do that, Levin, they have to beat the Arizona Cardinals, which is looking a lot easier than we thought it was going to be earlier in the year. No Kyler Murray, no Colt McCoy. No Trace McSorley. We're down to David Blau at quarterback for the Cardinals. And they up. What? Oh, God. Yeah, he's a Purdue quarterback. Good. I hope <laughs> I hope he gets, you know, just turned into <laughs> dust this weekend. So you have to watch that. No DeAndre Hopkins, which I'm a little mad at because remember Mooney Ward called him steroid boy after their first game this year. I kind of wanted to see like a little battle in the final week of the season, but he's not going to go. The stage is set for the Niners to roll in this one. But the one thing I'm keeping my eye on, like, is this defense going to lay another egg against the backup quarterback? Cause I was not, not thrilled with what we saw last week. Obviously. Uh, Kingsbury is no McDaniels. <laughs> That's I, I think that, that pretty much sums it up. Uh, I don't have any faith that Kingsbury is going to come up with a game plan to beat this, which I think 
the Raiders did a lot of, uh, uh, I don't want to call them trick plays, but double moves. I think that's a large reason why they found some of the, some of the successes that they were specifically running plays that were designed that week to beat this 49ers defense. And some of that is doing a double move because the Niners are such an aggressive defense that they bid on it a few times. And that's when you saw the deep throws. Yeah, that was kind of the key to the Raiders offensive game plan, whether it was screen passes or double moves. It was constantly using the 49ers aggressiveness against them. But like that's not been a secret up to this point in the year. I think it goes to your point, like Josh McDaniels, you might think he's a crap head coach, but he knows how to design a game plan and they took advantage of it. I'm worried because I feel like the secret is out on two guys on the Niners defense, Diamador Lenore and Tawanoa Hufanga. You know, what were we saying in the beginning of the year? Hufanga, I don't know. He's not that fast. I'm not sure. You know, I have worries about him in coverage. And then he came out like a freaking house of, he was on fire and he was turning the ball over, making tackles for a loss in the backfield, doing all this amazing stuff. That really hasn't happened in a little while. And what has happened is that Hufanga is giving up touchdowns, Levin. Kyle Posey's writing an article for Niners Nation, which may be out by the time you hear this. Hufanga has given up five touchdowns in 12 targets since week 13. And if he's not making those game-changing plays on the other side, that's a liability. Yeah, I mean, from what I've seen, some of the play breakdowns from people much smarter than me. Me. What's happening is the double moves are happening, but it's also that they're running somebody underneath and then somebody coming from across the field over the top on a post or something along those lines. And Hufanga's biting on the underneath, and then he's not there to cover the over-the-top. That's where we've seen some of these big plays. I honestly think he, of all players, would benefit greatly from getting that one seed and having a week off to kind of mentally reset and look at what defenses are doing to him and adjust. Because I do think, you know, he's a very cerebral player. I think he's capable of adjusting, but it takes time to actually be able to not be instantly worrying about the next opponent having that time to kind of look look inward and figure out oh what are they doing to me i think your breakdown is correct remember in the dolphins game tyree kill had a long touchdown pass and he was on with richard sherman and he said oh i took the cheese why didn't i play it deep to shallow and i thought oh that's awesome to hear him say he, he's recognizing his mistake and that's great hopefully he can learn from this except he hasn't learned from this because what did we see in that raiders game same thing, man. Bites on a play action fake, doesn't get deep enough. Waller goes over the top, scores a touchdown. Like, a, man, like you can say it, but you got to actually do it in the game. And the problem with Hufanga is his instincts have to be right 100% of the time because he's not fast enough to make up for a false step if he's wrong. Whereas Troy Palomalu ran a 4-3. And if he was wrong, he could get right. on his horse and make up for it. Hufanga can't do that. And I think that's what's getting him into trouble. He's almost become the safety version of Trayvon Diggs at cornerback. Mm. Trayvon gambles all the time because he wants the interception. He gives up a lot of big plays because when he bites on something and he comes roaring up thinking that he's going to jump the route and get an interception, sometimes it's a double move and the guy goes deep and then he gets burned. That's what it's kind of reminding me of is that he is trying to make the big play every single time. And one way or the other, there's going to be a big play. <laughs> we just don't know which team it's going to be for. <laughs> and look, he's 22. 
This is his first year as a full-time starter. He can learn and grow from this. But right now, he's got to figure out a way to not be that liability because when you've got him making mistakes and you've got Diamador Lenore, who he just doesn't seem like he can make plays on the ball, it's a problem. Lenore, since week 13, has given up the sixth most yards on the third most targets. So teams are going at him, and they're having success going at him. And I'm sure that is going to be a thing all throughout these playoffs. You know, I did have this thought when looking at how bad Lenore has been. I wonder if he would benefit from having the faster safeties. You know, you had Tart and Ward as our safeties for so long. They had a lot of speed. They weren't going to make big turnovers, but they could make up for mistakes of other people. Right now we have Hufanga. And Gibson, two safeties that they don't have much speed there. You know, that's that's their biggest negative is their speed. So they're not capable of getting down there and helping Lenore, you know, and, and creating a breakup because they get there just in time. So I wonder how much of that is happening. But at this point, Lenore is a liability. Every single team that faces the 49ers knows Lenore is the guy, and they're going to do whatever they can to get their best wide receiver on Lenore and then go for it. And the Niners might end up having to make a big adjustment where wherever Lenore is, he's got a second person helping him at all times, whether that's a, a Greenlaw running underneath or a Warner running underneath or one of the safeties being over the top. It's almost got to that point where you're going to have to give two people assigned to wherever Lenore is. And I will say, like it's not like D'Amico Ryans doesn't have experience making up for suspect cornerbacks. Like Josh <laughs> Norman started a significant amount of games for this team last year, and they still had a damn good defense. So it's not like this is something that, that D'Amico Ryans cannot account for, but I think it does change the way the 49ers play defense. And, you know, look, they tried to do everything they could to guard against it, right? They had Emmanuel Mosley. They had Jason Verrett. You can argue that Verrett wasn't a good plan, but he wasn't the starter going into the year. So they tried to make him just another layer of defense to prevent this situation. But unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. Luckily, the difference this year for the Niners is that Mooney Ward is on the other side, and he is friggin' fantastic. And that's going to help D'Amico Ryans out a lot when it comes to having to change things to help out Lenore. Yeah, it's nice to have one corner that you know you don't ne- you don't have to help. Now he has had some help sometimes, but they can run the double with Lenore if they need to and just leave Ward on an island mm-hmm. and hope that he doesn't get beat, which he hasn't been so far this year. Now I would say if you're going to do that I would hope you can try to get the matchup where Lenore's on the better receiver because he's going to have the double so that Mooney is matched up against a number two on an island rather than the number one versus the number one on an island. And you look at some of the teams in the playoffs of Philadelphia, obviously, two really good wide receivers. Seattle is the seventh seed right now. They have two really good wide receivers. Dallas has CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup. I I think Michael Gallup's a very, very solid wide receiver. So the teams that they're going to have to play in the NFC, even Tampa Bay, if somehow they manage to to get there, two really good wide receivers. So it's going to be a thing. (laughs) I guess that's the best way to sum it up. It's going to be a thing. And the Niners' fate this season might rest on how how well they handle it because that right now is the one Achilles heel this defense has. 
But that's why what we saw from the offense was so encouraging because, okay, defense had a rough day. There's the offense to pick it up, right? Like it doesn't always have to be, well, if the defense isn't great, then you lose. Like, no, you're allowed to score points. And the Niners have done that largely since Brock Purdy took over the almost 30 points every single game. Um, I will say, Levin, the more I watch Brock Purdy play, the more I think I can't get on board with him being the starter in 2023. And I know, like, we got a long way to go before that and, and all this stuff. But I saw an article from Matt Mayoko, and we know what I think of Matt Mayoko. He speaks with the voice of the team. I, I don't think he says anything by accident. And in his latest column, he gets asked by a, a reader if he thinks Brock Purdy has done enough to be the starter in 2023. And he says yes. And I think that he's not just making that up. I think he's hearing that from somewhere, and I'm not on board with that. And it's not just because I'm a Trey guy. There are things with Brock that, you know, make me a little nervous. So I was on the Trey Lance train earlier than anybody. I will say this. I still believe in Trey Lance, but with the way Purdy has played, unless he shits the bed in the playoffs, like if he has a Jimmy Garoppolo-esque playoffs, that's a different story. But as long as he plays basically how he has, maybe even slightly worse, and the Niners are able to win a couple games in the playoffs at a minimum, he deserves to have first crack at that starting gig because he's done it. Now, that doesn't mean he's guaranteed the starting gig. I, you know, We know Kyle doesn't like to guarantee rookies starting gigs coming into their second year, at least with wide receivers and <laughs> other positions. So I would say he gets first crack at it, meaning you come into training camp, He's the starter. He gets first team reps. Trey Lance gets some. And there is the chance that if Trey Lance is just otherworldly or Purdy's taking a step back, that Trey Lance could unseat him by regular season. But I think at this point with how well he has played, he deserves the first chance to earn the gig. That's the thing. Like you said, unless he just completely crashes and burns in the playoffs, he's done enough to where you have to at least give him a shot. I think Kyle would lose a lot of credibility in the locker room if he were to just say, thanks for everything, Brock. All right, Trey, it's your job. When Trey Lance, let's just say it like it is, has never beaten out anybody to earn the starting job. He didn't beat out Jimmy Garoppolo. It was just given to him, right? So I think that he would lose, Kyle would lose credibility in the locker room if he just tried to give the job back to Trey Lance. But I'm just going to say this quickly and then we can move on because I know that we're talking about stuff that's way down the line. Any quarterback competition is inherently unfair to Trey Lance because it takes away reps. That's the one thing he needs. He needs reps, all the reps, as many friggin' reps as is possible. He needs all of them. And if you give a quarterback competition, you're taking away 50%. You're going to have to live with growing pains with Trey Lance. It's, it's just, it's, unavoidable and the 49ers have never wanted to do that they've said that they're okay with it but in practice they've never wanted to do with it and it's just very frustrating to me because I think Trey has the ability but the, the analogy that I've made to people is like they keep giving him half a swimming lesson and then throwing him into the pool like that's not how it works man you got to teach this kid and let him learn and I don't think he's ever going to get the chance to do it uh, it's a fitting analogy because I was going to say it's not his fault because he's gotten hurt, 
but he has gotten hurt. He had the opportunity to get all the reps he wanted this year, and he got hurt. It is what it is. It is a business, and it's sink or swim time for him. Boo-hoo, he doesn't get all the reps. If not getting all the reps in practice, only getting 50% of them, is why you don't pan out as a quarterback, you were never going to pan out. I don't think that's true. I do. Now, it's different if he's getting no reps. That's a completely different story. But he's getting half reps. He's given the opportunity. He's in year three. He's gotten hurt. It is what it is. But in year three, he should be able to show enough in half the reps to prove he's the starter. Do you realize he threw 318 passes in college? Brock Purdy has more than 1,000 passes, more than Trey Lance, just in college. Like, that matters. And and, and Trey is going from friggin' North Dakota State to the NFL. Like, I just, to me, it's crazy to me the timeline for this kid where they're just like, better be awesome immediately, even though you're coming from North Dakota State and you're the least experienced quarterback that's ever been taken this high in the draft ever. That wasn't the case this year. This year it was, hey, Jimmy, you sit over there. You're not going to be part of this team. Oh, okay, right at the end, we'll bring you in. But Trey Lance got all the first team reps. Yeah. He had the starting gig. If he didn't get hurt, he would have kept it unless he just didn't pan out. He would have had, I think, a long enough leash to have five, six games out there before they pulled the plug. Five or six games is not (laughs) – To show something. I'm not saying that's everything. But if you're crapping the bed and costing a contending team games – then at that point, yeah, you got to pull the rug. Yeah, see, that's why the timeline never made sense. But this is where we are. Anyway, there'll be plenty of time to talk about Trey Lance and what's going to happen with him. Of course, he had the second surgery, which I seem to be the only one concerned about that. But okay. Yes, as I roll my eyes, because it is routine. It's not routine. It is routine. It's unplanned. He had an unplanned second surgery on a major injury to remove hardware that they never planned on taking out. They, it's never the first option to take it out, but it is taken out very often, especially on, and I'm sure you read this too, especially on that injury where he has it, the screws are very close to the tendons, and when they're close to the tendons, you almost always get irritation, and they end up getting taken out, but only get taken out if the bone is healed enough. If the bone is still not healed, the player just has to deal with the irritation. Right, because And it might be that he's never the same again. So to me, it's good news. It means his bone is healed so well that they're willing to take out the screw (laughs) and avoid the irritation. It's never good news. He was in pain months after the surgery, and they had to go in and take it out. I... I don't like it, man. It's not, it's definitely not good news. And I just feel like it's a bad, bad sign. He may never, he may never really get another shot to be the starting quarterback. And that's a combination of his injury problems and, and what Brock Purdy has done uh, in his absence. It's crazy. Brock Purdy never plays unless Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt. This is the weirdest 49ers season of my life. We got negative Nancy sitting here on the podcast network. Have you met me? <laughs> Like, what, is this breaking news to you? Well, look, I, I mean, sometimes you're a contrarian, but you at least have some company. But you're you're literally reading what doctors are saying and going, no, they're wrong. No, I'm not disagreeing that doctors routinely take it out. I'm just saying it's not a good thing that they had to go and take it out. And now Trey is behind in his rehab. He's behind where he would have been. He's behind the absolute ideal place 
but I guarantee—I would guarantee that with the screw being so close to the tendon, they thought this had a high probability of happening. They hoped it wouldn't, but they know based on where the actual break and where the screws need to be put in, if it's very close to the tendon, it almost always the screw is going to give irritation. But like I said, they can only take that screw out, or they're only willing to take that screw out if the bone has healed to the point that they think that it can handle it on its own. And let me just say one more thing. This is exactly the type of injury that everybody says, oh, yep, it's good. Everything's good. It's routine. It's fine. And then six months from now, we find out in an article from Mike Silver or somebody, you know, remember when he had that second surgery? Turns out there was an infection or turns out there was this, that, and the other thing. We always find out more crap down the line. And I'm saying it now because I'm telling you it's going to happen. Rob, are you a fan of a team that hasn't had a franchise quarterback in 20 years? Because I can't tell. I mean, look, sorry, I want to be a fan of a team with the franchise quarterback. I'd really like that. And maybe well, it's Brock Purdy. I, I will say this. I think it's more likely than not at this point that one of Lance or Purdy will turn into a franchise quarterback. Don't mean they'll be some Patrick Mahomes MVP level, but they'll be a true franchise quarterback. It would be a massive, massive advantage to the 49ers to have Brock Purdy as your starter under contract for the next three years, making literally last pick in the draft money, especially for a team that still needs to pay Brandon Ayuk, still needs to pay Nick Bosa, still needs to pay multiple other people. That's a huge advantage. Yeah, that's also assuming that he puts up with it. If Brock Purdy is the starter next year and they they once again make the playoffs and he starts every game, I would be shocked if he didn't enter that offseason season saying, redo my day, deal. Like, at that, like you're not going to continue to play on that deal. Well, they can't when redo you're it. Proving for th- yourself a franchise quarterback, right? But they can't redo it for three years by league rule. It's got to be three years before they can redo it. It's literally not allowed by the CBA. So that's why. Yeah, you, you're right. I forgot about that change. What five years ago? Yeah, you get ago? that advantage, and there's nothing the player can do about it. The team is like, hey, you know, Brock. Sorry, man. We'd love to help you out, but you know that damn CBA. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jed York is in his office, like smoking cigars and cackling with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. <laughs> That's what they all do, right? Isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then they go on Twitter if you're John Lynch. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Only after you've had many, many drinks. All right, let's take a quick break. By the way, what are you drinking tonight? I see that brown liquor. Uh, DiZerono. Ooh, look at If you. I have liquor, it is DiZerono. I'm not a big drinker to begin with, but a couple times a year I buy a bottle of DiZerono. I have not bought a different type of liquor for myself, my wife might get something else, but uh, I don't, I don't remember when. It's been at least nine, ten years. Really? Pretty much ever since I started making enough money where I had disposable income, where I wasn't, boy, I don't know if I can eat today. It's been, I'm not drinking crap. <laughs> if I'm drinking, it's going to be something I want to drink. <laughs> D. Serrano, give us your money. But I'm not a big drinker. Like, I'm the only person in my entire family that drinks alcohol at all, so... Like, I don't have this need to drink. It's just, if I'm going to drink, I'm going to drink something I actually truly want to drink. Otherwise, I'll just not drink. It's not a big deal to me. T. Serono, give us your money. You don't have to give us your money to be a sponsor. Just send me bottles. (laughs) (laughs) A little product never hurt anything. I'll just say that. All right. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about the playoffs. We'll talk about seeding, matchups we want to see, matchups we don't want to see. We'll get into all of that when we return. Back here on the Gold Standard Podcast. All right, Levin, where do you come down on the 
Rest everybody. Who cares about the one seed? It's a slim chance anyway. Philly's favored by 14 points over the Giants. Get everybody healthy into the playoffs discussion. Uh, there's only one player I would not play just from the start, and that's Christian McCaffrey. He's got supposedly a minor sprained ankle, but it's something. And at this point in the season, with the number of hits he's taken in recent weeks, he's got other things. He, he's banged up. Every running back at this point in the season is banged up. He's the only one I would sit right at the start. I would say if anybody gets a stinger in this game to where they, you know, they can't get off the field, you're not going back in. I don't care who you are. You're not going unless you're Brock Purdy because nobody wants to see the alternative there. Well, against but, David Blau, you still might have a shot. Right. Um, but that that's kind of where I fall. CMC, I wouldn't play, especially with Eli Mitchell back. Everybody else, if you get a stinger, you're out. I wouldn't tell them that because then they're never going to admit it. True. <laughs> you know, players are, they don't always have their best interests at heart. They do not want to come off the field. Christian McCaffrey with the 49ers has 198 touches in 10 games. That is a lot of touches. Um, yeah, that's, that's essentially 20 a game, which would be right. three, 340, a little less than 340 in a full season. That's a massive is, workload. That would be close to league leading, yeah. That's that's dicey for the year after. Um, we don't know if Elijah Mitchell is actually going to play. They've opened his practice window. He's practicing. You would hope he did. But even if he doesn't, like, Ty, you you invested a third-round pick in Ty Davis-Price. You have Jordan Mason. Like, it's okay to give Jordan Mason 25, 30 carries this week. It really is, Kyle. Like, I know he's on special teams. Great. Still, he's not as valuable as Christian McCaffrey. And we know McCaffrey's banged up, like you said. He's been limited on the injury report with a knee for weeks. So, I I agree with you. I would take it incredibly easy with Christian McCaffrey. Do you think it makes a huge difference if they are the one seed or the two seed? Uh, <laughs> yes and no. I, I do think the buy is massively valuable and guaranteeing you're at home is massively valuable. But as we talked about when this team had their buy, I don't really like this team coming off a buy. They always seem to be like a little flat coming out of a bye week. It's like they get thrown out of their routine. So that does scare me a little bit if, you know, they, they have a bye and then they got Dallas or Minnesota or Philly, you know, one of those teams that I think are truly capable of beating the 49ers coming to town. That, that would concern me. All right. Well, let's get into it then. Let's say the 49ers don't get the one seed because Philly is favored by 14 points against the Giants. So if the Eagles yeah, win. By, by the way. That is insane to me. That tells you everything because the Giants are on record as saying they're not going to arrest people. But as we just discussed, Arizona's on their fourth string quarterback. DeAndre Hopkins isn't playing. And they're a much worse team than the Giants are. The Niners are favored by 14 at home. Philly is favored by 14 over a playoff team that is supposedly not going to arrest their people. Vegas doesn't make stupid lines. Vegas knows they're arresting people. Yeah, I would, I would agree. Vegas knows they're arresting people also. Uh, but... If Philly wins, they handle their business. Congratulations, you're the one seed. The Niners would be the two seed. As it stands right now, the Niners would have to play the Seattle Seahawks in the first round of the playoffs. They've beaten Seattle twice this year. How do you feel about that? Uh, I'm not too scared about Seattle, but just in the back of my mind, I kind of go, it's really hard to beat the same team three times. Yeah, that's overblown. But at the same time, I really don't – I just – the reason why the Niners have been able to dominate both games is 
because Seattle just doesn't have the horses. They don't, especially in the trenches. I don't think they have the horses to match up with the 49ers. I would say the one thing that scares me is the way in which Lenore has been playing, and there's no easy number two receiver to put him on because you got Lockett and you got Metcalf. So either way, I don't like the matchup, and Lenore could get picked apart. Yeah, I think the beating— The chances of that outweighing the the offense is pretty slim. I think the beating a team three times thing is—it's something cool to say, but I think it doesn't hold as much water as it once did. I think the reason you beat the Seahawks twice is because you're a better damn team than the Seahawks. And I'm sorry. I know that they've had a nice year, but I would be just fine playing the Seattle Seahawks. I know it's a division game. I know all that stuff. Whatever. I'd be much more comfortable playing the Seahawks than I would be playing the Packers or playing the Lions, to be honest with you, Levin. The Packers, look, I know it's the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, and they've beaten Aaron Rodgers many times in the playoffs. They beat the Rams a lot, too, and they lost to them in the playoffs last year. Like, sometimes the other team gets one, you know? I I don't know that that streak is going to continue forever, and I would rather not have to face a Hall of Fame quarterback in the playoffs in the first round. It's a weird scenario for 49er fans because uh, I agree Green Bay is the least desirable. I I don't even see how anybody could debate that. But then you're literally debating, hmm, I want to play Seattle the most, which is just weird to say as a 49ers fan. Or if you say Seattle, you're saying, well, I don't want to play Jared Goff. Well, (laughs) the Niners love playing against Jared Goff. He gets his butt whooped every time. But at the same time, like Jared Goff has had one of the most efficient, uh, highest, I think, EPA in the entire league of all quarterbacks this year. And that offense has been really good. So it, it is kind of like a scenario of they actually do have a dominant unit. Seattle doesn't have a dominant unit. They're efficient on offense, but they're not dominant. They're bad on defense. And they managed to win enough games to be in position to likely get in the playoffs. But the Lions offense might be the best in the league. It's right there with Kansas City and Buffalo. It's weird to say. they The Lions put up the third most yards per game of any team in the league ahead of the 49ers, ahead of the Bills. So, like, that's what we're talking about with the Lions. They score 27 points a game. That's more than the 49ers. Fourth best in the league behind Kansas City, Dallas, and Philadelphia. I do agree about Jared Goff, but don't forget, like, Remember a couple years ago, the Niners were blowing the Lions' doors off. It was 41-17 with two minutes to go, and that game ended with the Lions having the ball with a chance to tie the score in a one-score game. And look, I know they got the onside kick, whatever, but they have been able to put up points against this 49ers' defense. So, yeah, I I think Seattle is the winner for me of all those teams that are still alive there. Um, Washington would have been the winner if they didn't get eliminated last week. That was kind of like what I was really hoping for. It was like, great, let's be the two seed because it it was either going to be the Giants or Washington, and I was totally comfortable with that. Now, obviously, that's not the case. I mean, there's two things I look at when when I'm talking about like teams I would least want to face in the playoffs. Who has the best quarterback? Mm -hmm. And does any team have an absolute dominant side of the ball? Are they dominant on defense or dominant on offense where I think they truly could just take away that part of the game for the 49ers? You know, whether it's the 49ers not being able to score or the 49ers giving up a bunch of points, that's kind of what I look at. Do they have a dominant unit and do they have the better quarterback? Because quarterbacks matter a lot in the playoffs. And in that scenario, I think Seattle probably loses all of that because Detroit has a really good side of the ball, close to dominant. 
And I would say Jared Goff over Geno Smith this year, which seems weird because we all know Geno Smith has been having a great year, but Jared Goff has been having a better year. He's they've been good on offense, man. You you know, it's funny to say because it's like all oh, same old Lions, whatever. Like, no, man, they they can put up points. All right, let's let's apply that checklist to the other teams then. New York Giants. Do they have a dominant quarterback? No. Do they have a dominant side of the ball? No. Now you stop me if I'm if you think I'm wrong. No, I actually, in my head, of all the teams that are going to be in the NFC playoffs, I think there's a very good debate between the Seahawks and the Giants for who I would want to play most. Because the Giants do not match up well. They have terrible wide receivers. Richie James is their leading game. wide receiver. Right. They have a a good run game, but good luck against this 49ers team. And their quarterback, he's had a good season, but I don't really trust him when the chips are down against a great defense. You know what I mean? Like He's just going to run. Jones, right. He's going to run. That's the only thing that scares me with their offense is that they have a mobile quarterback. That's it. The whole rest of the offense, I think the Niners win easily in the matchup. So I just don't see them being able to score points. And defensively, they're decent, but they're not great. So I think the Niners can put up points. The Cowboys are the five seed. Do they have a dominant side of the ball? You you would have said that about the defense early in the year, but late in the year, it has not been pretty, uh, although Dak has looked pretty damn good since coming back from his injury. Nah, not lately. It leads to the league in interceptions, despite missing five games. Yeah, but some of those interceptions, of interceptions late. are not his fault. And look at their offensive point totals since he's come back, oh, I know. man. Like you said, I think you just said they're third in points scored. Yeah. That the offense is definitely up there for best offense in the NFC. It's between them and Philly, I would say. If you want to be a, a homer and say the Niners are in there now with Purdy, I won't hate you for it. I won't call you necessarily a homer, but it's kind of stretching it. Smaller sample, too. Right. Well, it's a rookie quarterback in the playoffs. Good luck. Good luck saying that's the best offense. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, Dallas. Dallas is it it's a team that has a really really good offense and a defense that can turn the ball over. So if it's a gambling defense like I said Trayvon Diggs he gambles every single play. I'm getting the interception or I'm giving up the reception. One of the two is happening. Somebody's catching this ball. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very much a defense that they either get smoked or they get a bunch of turnovers. Tampa Bay who we saw earlier this season. Doesn't scare me at all. It's still Tom Brady, man. Does not scare me at all. I don't know. I, I'm I'm glad that, that uh, Dallas is probably going to have to face them in round one. I'll just say that. Minnesota Vikings. Dominant player in Justin Jefferson. Dominant side of the ball? I would say no. Dominant quarterback? Definitely not. The only thing that scares me is who you led with there. And I do think that they are the type of team that will... Met, have pre-snap motion if i'm not mistaken they, they're among the leaders in pre-snap motion they will adjust based on the defense's lineup to get jefferson on lenore every single play they possibly can and that scares the crap out of me but the rest of the game isn't that big of a deal but i could see that being a game where justin jefferson goes off for 200 plus and pulls them to victory because lenore can't do anything and they just keep doing all right Lenore's lined up here. Well, we're going to move Jefferson over there and move the other guy over here. That is a terrifying thought. I do not. Well, I'm going to have nightmares tonight about Justin Jefferson <laughs> covering the Amador Lenore. Um, yeah, that that is scary. But that Vikings defense is they're just not good. 
Like, I'm not worried about them at all. I wouldn't say I'm not worried at all, but I would still heavily favor the 49ers. It's just they have the best wide receiver in the league, and I would argue maybe the best wide receiver in the league to enter the league since Randy Moss. So, like, that scares the crap out of me when you have the biggest weakness on your team being one of your cornerbacks. I go back and forth with the Vikings. One part of me says, look, everybody keeps calling them frauds because they've won a lot of one-score games. But at some point, doesn't that have to stop being luck? But then I also think, like, doesn't the horseshoe have to fall out of their ass at some point? You would think, but, I mean, the 49ers lost to Denver. Yeah. They lost to the Bears. So the Bears have won, what, one other game? Two other games? I think two others. That was a long yeah. time ago, and it was in a monsoon. Or yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. third start. A lot of those one-score wins were a long time ago, too, because if you take away half the season, <laughs> like, you are what you are. Who is it? Parcells says you are what your record says you are? Yep. Hmm. 12 well, and That four. means they're a pretty good team. And then the only other team left that we haven't gotten to in the NFC is, of course, the Philadelphia Eagles, who are dominant on both sides of the ball. Yep, they are definitely the uh, biggest competition of the 49ers. I think the two of those two teams are definitely the top two teams in the NFC. I don't think too many people would argue with that. They would have to be uh, somebody with a bias towards one of the other teams. But, I mean, Philly, I was watching their game last week. They have they. It happened in the game. One of the guys got a sack to get there. They have four guys with 10-plus sacks. Yeah. Four. That's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not it's not the Nick Bosa situation where you try to double cover you or double block them, you know, chip them with a running back or, or tight end. Or in this last game, he literally had two people that were full-on staying to block him most of the game. Like, you can't do that against Philly. You just got to match up and win those matchups. And that's easier said than done against those guys. So that game definitely would be the one that I would be worried about, and I would consider it a coin flip game. And I will say I do not want to travel to Philly because that's a far East Coast travel in an East Coast time zone. Like, no, thank you. Yeah, that is true. That is not a – and it's not a host, or it's not a friendly environment. Although, if the Niners were to get up early, you have just as good a chance of turning the crowd against the Eagles as you <laughs> do uh, them getting on you. The other thing with Philly is they don't turn the ball over and they take it away. And they mo mobile quarterback too. Like, right. You got that. You got that. Uh, like can Boza get Hertz? Hertz is very, very fast. Like Boza might win his matchup, but doesn't matter. Right. A lot. Yeah. They do a lot of things that have given the 49ers problems. Plus no matter who they throw it to Lenore's got to guard either AJ Brown or Devontae Smith, and that ain't a good matchup for the Niners either. Plus, they have Dallas Goddard at tight end. So, yeah, that that's definitely the team to be most worried about in the NFC. But they have suffered some injuries. I would say, from a pure injury standpoint, Philly's probably in the worst shape that they've been in, where the 49ers are probably yeah. closer to the best shape that they've been in. Yeah, we'll see uh, what happens to them this week. Uh, Jalen Hurts was a limited practice participant. I would say that probably means he's playing. But what you know? What if he's playing and he's not 100? percent Like that means he's probably not going to get to 100 uh, percent the next week. I I think if he plays and he's not 100, percent he's playing to get that bye week so he can get to 100. percent And that's almost playing with fire there when you're playing a guy not 100 percent to try to give him an extra week to get healthy. 
Well, and then is he going to, if he's playing and he's not a hundred percent, is he going to run as much as he normally would? And then how does that change the offense? So yeah, there's a lot of questions. It'd be really interesting to see how Philly plays it. Keep an eye on the line for that game too, as we go through the week. If Vegas hears anything about who's playing or not playing or how much, you'll see some big line movement and you'll see it probably before the news breaks on your Twitter timeline. I will say, uh, I think it's going to be a really, really exciting final weekend because in the NFC, you have four teams that could end up with a number one seed. Dallas still has a path. If Philly, 49ers, and Minnesota all lose and Dallas wins, Dallas is the number one seed. Like Four teams have a path to the number one seed in the final week. That's uncommon. And then the AFC, there's three teams, two of which were involved in the game that is currently postponed, likely going to end up canceled. And how does that affect things? Like, There's a lot of, I would say, intrigue crazy scenarios like it's one of these like we were talking about it before we went on air well we could play this team or we could play this team or we could play this team it's like like every single team is a possibility to be getting played yeah and kyle shanahan has said like we haven't assigned anybody to like study up yet because one that's not what they do but two like who are you gonna pick like it's so random at this point uh so we won't know you know what i'm excited about for the final week is that you're actually gonna be back for the instant reaction show (laughs) About damn time. Uh, I, I can't help my schedule. It sucks, and I, I can't help when I get called in on Christmas Eve. Yeah, I was so excited about that. Let me tell you. <laughs> I don't want to record. I'm just going to go to work. Did they give you anything extra for that? Do you get, like, holiday pay or something? Uh, Sort of. It's called call-out pay, which guarantees you time and a half, but it was the end of the week, and I had worked all week, so yeah, uh, I was already in overtime. I mean, overtime rates are pretty good pay rate, so you know, wasn't necessarily unhappy to see my paycheck. Put it that way. Right, not happy to go in, but happy to see the paycheck at least. So, all right. Well, I'm glad you'll be with us at the Instant Reaction Show, which will be live on the Niners Nation Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter pages, and my Twitch page at Stats on Fire. Please join us there. We had a massive amount of people join last week. Really appreciate that. It's playoff time, baby. We're almost there. One more week before we get into the second season. It's playoff time. It's playoff time because the number one seed is sitting there. No, that is true. And hopefully you will join us for all of it. We appreciate your support. Another. Except for that guy that left that review. Well, (laughs) not that guy. We appreciate your support for Michelle. (laughs) Maybe, you know, come around to us a little bit. But uh, second straight year, we've smashed a download record. So thanks to everybody out there. We promise we will keep earning that. Got to get Joe Staley back on the show for the playoffs. I'm going to work some magic and see if I can. I was going to say, why are you telling me, Mr. Producer? Well, I'm going to try. You know, maybe if I tell him you won't be there, that'll make him more likely to join. I mean, maybe, but. He still owes you a pair of socks, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, actually, he does. He said he had a pair of socks with his face on them. I believe his exact quote was, I'd love to put my face on your feet. So Yes, yes. I haven't forgotten about that, Joe. That's still weird to this day. Uh, I was going to say, why do you sound proud about No, that? it's definitely <laughs> weird. Um, but anyway, so hopefully we can get Joe back on the show, because I know a lot of people enjoyed that, and we certainly did. He's freaking phenomenal to talk to, and he has so much insight on this team obviously having played on it uh, in 2019. So we'll see what we can do there. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Levin. Have a great Thursday. We'll talk to you after the game. Patrick Willis, Hall of Fame.